Today on Bullpen, we'll look back at the 1984 World Series that wasn't. and welcome to Bullpen, the little thought experiment show that looks back at some classic teams of the 70s, 80s, 90s, but we look at them through the prism of 2019 and beyond, where 12 pitchers a team is kind of the norm, which means a lot of these teams with benches of six, seven guys, well, things gotta be trimmed down a bit. Today we're gonna go back to the year of 1984. Those of you who remember 1984 remember the red hot start by the Detroit Tigers out of the gate at 35 and five, one of the best starts in the history of Major League Baseball. They looked to be an unstoppable juggernaut all season. They easily tore through Kansas City in the American League Championship Series, but they did not sweep the World Series. The San Diego Padres put up a fight and won one game. Of course, the Tigers won 4-5, but still, the Padres won one game in that World Series, won more than they won in their second World Series appearance. But, we're going to look at the World Series that wasn't in this case. We're going to look at the team the 84 Detroit Tigers swept, the 84 Kansas City Royals, who won the American League West with only 84 wins, one of the lowest win totals of any division winner ever. Last week we looked at the Twins, who also had one of the lowest totals ever, but then again, they also won the World Series. They weren't swept in three games, like the Kansas City Royals. And in the National League, well, we're going to look at the amazing 1984 Chicago Cubs, who almost beat the Padres in the playoffs. They were up two games, then had a lead in Game 3. And then, of course, as Cub Luck did up until 2016, everything came apart. The Cubs would lose three in a row to San Diego, sending San Diego to the World Series to face the Detroit Tigers. But we're going to look at the World Series that wasn't. What if the Cubs didn't blow it in Game 3, 4, and 5? What if the Kansas City Royals pulled the biggest upset of the 80s and somehow beat the red-hot 1984 Detroit Tigers? What if our World Series was, in 1984, the Kansas City Royals versus the Chicago Cubs? And we'll throw an extra what if on there. What if they had to play it with 2019 roster rules? Well, first of all, let's take a look at the Kansas City Royals of that era. They had a pretty solid starting lineup that year with Don Slot behind the plate around the infield at first base, Steve Balboni, Frank White, Onyx Concepcion at short, and George Brett at third base. Their outfield was Daryl Motley, Willie Wilson, and Pat Sheridan for the most part, with Hal McCray serving as the primary DH, but not the full-time DH really because... He platooned with Jorge Orta. Do we have room for a platoon DH in baseball of 2019? No, we don't. So we're going to have to take a look at that. All right, first thing we're going to need is a backup catcher on this team. And automatically, that's John Wathen, the former Royals manager, also a longtime Royals catcher, caught 34 games that season. He can also play first on the outfield, so that's kind of handy. All right, you only get one utility infielder. And judging by these numbers, that would have to be Greg Pryor. He appeared in 123 games for the Royals. He could play second, short, and third. He hit 263. Your other options were UL Washington and Buddy Biancalana. And maybe Tucker Ashford in the pitch. UL and Buddy each played 60-some games. Each of them had close to 200 at-bats. But neither of them hit particularly well that year. So we'll give the backup infield spot to Greg Pryor. Now, who are you going to put as your backup outfielder? A couple options here. First baseman, third baseman, outfielder Dane Orge. 
who would end up being a hero in the 85 World Series. He also had 26-year-old Butch Davis. He also had Lynn Jones and Leon Roberts spent some time on this team as well. Jorge Orta, uh, I don't think you could get by with him in the outfield at age 33, but again, Hal McRae did play a little bit outfield at age 38. And while Willie Wilson was fairly durable, he did miss 30 games in 1984, so you're going to need an outfielder who can bounce around. I don't know if that's really Dane Orge, but I think you're going to have to go with him. Although you might be willing to go with young Butch Davis, although he only hit 147 in that cup of coffee with the Kansas City Royals. Here's another amazing thing about the Kansas City Royals of 1984. They used 13 pitchers all year. And it's not uncommon for some major league teams this year to carry 13 pitchers at the same time. In fact, one of their 13 pitchers was backup outfielder Leon Roberts, who pitched in one game. So, of course, you got your rotation. Bud Black, Mark Gubiza, Larry Gura, Charlie Liebrandt, and uh, we'll say Danny Jackson, who got called up late. Mike Jones and Brett Saberhagen in his rookie season also got some time. Your bullpen was Joe Beckwith, Mark Huseman, Paul Splitorf, and, of course, legendary closer Dan Quisenberry. Now, we didn't have only the one left-hander in the bullpen, Paul Splitorf. Did they have any help in the minors? They had a little bit, of course, Frank Wills, who spent just a little bit of time with the Major League Club that year. They also had Al Hargisschmacher, a bounce-arounder at age 29. You also had young guys like Art Martinez, Daniel St. Clair, and Vinny Juhas, who never made the Major Leagues, also sitting down there. You also had future Major Leaguers like Keith Creel and Tony Ferreria. They didn't have any hope in AA either. In fact, they only had one pitcher in AA that year who made it to the Major Leagues, a 21-year-old starter named... David Cohn. I could have seen him making the jump if this was the pitching-obsessed era in 1984. I could have seen David Cohn make the jump all the way from double-A to this team, if necessary. Definitely would have made things a little bit interesting. So I think our final verdict here is your three-person bench is going to have to be Dane Orge, Greg Pryor, and John Wathan. Luckily, Wathan can play the outfield as well, and you're going to have to move Daryl Motley to center if you want to give Willie Wilson a day off. If you want to give Willie Wilson and Daryl Motley a day off, I just wouldn't. Moving on to the 1984 Chicago Cubs. Jody Davis was behind the plate that year for the Cubbies. Around the infield, Leon Durham, Hall of Famer Ryan Sandberg, Larry Boa, and Ron Say at third base. Your outfield was Gary Matthews, Bob Dernier, and Keith Moreland from left to right. This was a very durable team. Larry Boa played the fewest games of any starter at 133. Jody Davis caught 150 games that year for the Cubs. Wow. I forgot how durable he was. But of course, this is going to be the modern age we're going to look at this team with. So we got to pare down this bench. And it was quite the sizable number of players. Jim Fry liked to have a big bench. Young Mel Hall was on the team, but he got shipped out. So we can skip him for now. Get to that later with the Rick Sutcliffe trade. Henry Cotto played in 105 games that year for the Cubs. So did Gary Woods. He played 37 games, but was primarily a pinch hitter. Not the sort of guy you'd want to trust in the outfield lot. Thad Bosley, also well-known by Cub fans, is one of the premier pinch hitters of the 80s. But only one of these guys can stick around. Do you stick with Henry Cotto, Gary Woods, or Thad Bosley? He also had a cup of coffee from Jay Johnstone near the end of his career at age 38, got in some games. And, well, there's another factor here, but we'll get to that in a second. All right, you know what? I think we'd have to go with Thad Bosley. He hits left-handed. He can play all three outfield positions at this age. Although Henry Cotto does have a little more speed 
Thad Bosley, but Thad Bosley at 27 was not slow. All right, now you're going to need a utility infielder here. Somebody to back up Larry Boa, or maybe Ryan Sandberg, or maybe occasionally Ron Say. You have Dave Owen, the 26-year-old, who played in 47 games. You have Richie Hebner, who played in 44 games, but only 91 at-bats. Again, primarily a pinch hitter and a corner infielder. Tom Verizer also had some time with this team. 44 games, but again, only 83 at-bats. You also had Dan Roan and the guy who I give the job to, even though he did not have that many games under his belt. So I think I have to give the utility infield spot in this case to Davey Lopes, the 39-year-old second baseman, third baseman outfielder, came over in a trade. Now, he didn't play shortstop very well, but ugh, that does make things a little complicated. But Ryan Sandberg, I guess if you're in a real pinch, you could have him move over to shortstop because he did play shortstop his first season in the major leagues. But yeah, not exactly an ideal situation, but Davey Lopes does bring quite a good bat to the team. He served the team very well when he was a member of them in the years to come. Well, a couple years to come. But it does make it interesting using Davey Lopes. Plus you have Dave Owen, who was primarily the late game guy for Larry Boa, who at that time was 38 years old and near the end of his career. Of course, backup catcher on this team would likely go to Steve Lake, but they did also acquire Ron Hasse, you could play a couple positions, so I think this one could go either way. I lean towards Steve Lake, but maybe Ron Hassey gets some consideration here too. So there's our bench for this team. If you only get three guys, you gotta go with Thad Bosley, Davey Lopes, and Steve Lake. With maybe Henry Cotto, if you need a pinch, or decide to shave your pitching staff down. Or maybe Dave Owen, because like I said, Larry Boa, a 38-year-old shortstop in the playoffs, maybe not ideal. Moving on to the starting rotation, they did make the acquisition of Rick Sutcliffe that year. And what an acquisition it was. He went 16-1 after being traded over from the Cleveland Indians with an area of 269. I think he won the Cy Young that year, if I remember correctly. They also had starting pitcher Dennis Eckersley, which is weird to hear these days. But remember, he is the only pitcher in Major League history to have 100 complete games and 100 saves because he started for many, many years. Steve Chart also had a good year that year. Scott Sanderson, always a solid number four guy. And the fifth spot will probably go either to Dick Ruthford or Chuck Rainey. They both had about the same amount of time in that role. Your bullpen looked like Lee Smith, Tim Stoddard, Rich Bordy, George Frazier, and Warren Brewstar. Now, they did use a number of guys out of the bullpen that year in various other roles. So if they did have to expand that bullpen, there was no shortage of guys who could have done that. Guys like Dickie Knowles, Porphy Altamarino... Reggie Patterson, Ron Meredith, who would have been a good left-hander to use. Maybe Bill Johnson, maybe Don Schultze. Other guys they could have used. Were there any help in the way in the minor leagues? Yeah, there were a couple guys down there that had not made their major league debuts yet. Tom Filer, well, he had made his major league debut. Johnny Arbrego also was down at AAA. And at AA, they also had a few other guys like young Mike Capel and young Race Off. Another guy who... We talked about last time with the 87 St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, they only had two guys at AA that year, the pitching staff who made the major leagues. But again, that would be one more than made the team from the Royals AA affiliate. And that wraps up another episode of Bullpen, a look at the 1984 World Series that wasn't. Do you agree or disagree with any of the picks we made for the very tiny benches they had to shrink down to in 1984? Leave us a comment, leave us a note, and maybe make a suggestion for other matchups for us to look at. Or just some teams you might be interested in. Thanks for listening to Bullpen, and we'll talk to you next time. 
Thanks to our patrons, Andy, Linda, and Ben. All statistics on Bullpen come from BaseballReference.com. Thank you.